Hey, before we get into uh, God's Word this morning, I just uh, just a quick little, um, like not even house cleaning, I guess, just a public service announcement. Uh, I don't know if you saw last week uh, the tragedy in uh, White Settlement, Texas. Uh, it was a church uh, shooting that followed uh, right in the midst of their communion service. And um, I just want to show you that we're doing everything. We've, we've been doing it for quite a while now, but we have... We just reassert to you that we want to do our best to keep you safe. Uh, so some of the ways that we do that is that by 1030, the, we're starting 21 days uh, fasting and prayer this week. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, not so much enthusiasm on that one, was there? Um, if you want to know more about that, there's more on the app, on the website, and all that stuff, like what is fasting, what fast should I pick? I'm, I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. Uh, this morning, but why do we do this? That, that's the biggest question. Uh, it's not just a routine or a ritual, and yes, we do it every year, but it's a, it's a time for us to get realigned. It's a time for us to come back to the vision that God has, and, and it's that good spiritual exercise on the inside that, that creates a new you. I want to be a new me in 2020, right? Do you want to be a new you? If so, then that means that something has to change, and that's the problem is we keep expecting uh, change with hope, and I'm here to tell you that things don't happen just because you hope. You actually have to take some changes, take some steps. So maybe you decide uh, which which fast is best for me, and and if you're just easing into this, I suggest the anti-Daniel fast. The anti-Daniel fast is only meat and sweets. Um, That'll be pretty easy for everybody. (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, There's a complete fast uh, where you just drink liquids. Now, if you've never done that before, I'm just giving you a word of caution. This is hard on your body, and you probably want to ease into that. Maybe just do it for a few days, okay? Uh, Most people are not used to uh, cutting food out altogether and just drinking liquids, okay? Then there's what we call a selective fast, and that means you remove certain items, and it's like that Daniel fast I was talking about. You remove meat, sweets, uh, breads, those things that we really love because it's supposed to be a discipline for our flesh, right? And we go to fruits and vegetables and juices and all that nasty stuff you don't normally eat in your diet. Then you've got like a partial, and this is like maybe you set aside just a mealtime. I'm, I'm not going to do lunch. I'm not going to do dinner. I'm not going to do breakfast, okay? Uh, and then we have also what we call uh, a soul fast, and that would be, you know, uh, basically the four Fs, you know, uh, food, uh, Facebook, phones, uh, stuff like that. I know you say phones is with a P, but what sound does it make? Right? Uh, maybe even football, God forbid, right? Now, we go back to the why of all of this. It's not to lose weight. It's not to prove anything. It's to draw closer to God and allow Him to realign us because just like anything else, we, we start to drift over time, right? There is a cultural current. There is things that, that come against us whether we see them or not. And I'm not talking about weird spiritual stuff. I'm just talking about the flow of our lives. And we tend to drift. That's why diets are so hard because, it, you know, if you're really going to make a change, it has to be a lifestyle change, not a two-week thing. Because after those two weeks, you'll go back to your normal diet, and what you lost, you come back, or more than what you had again. And so 
for us, we want to say, hey, we want to focus on God during this time. Uh, most of the time we focus on us or all the mess that's going on, and we're going to focus on God. Uh, I also want to invite you, if you want a, a great way to start your week out right, we're going to have prayer right here uh, Monday mornings at 8 o'clock. Uh, lights will be on. We'll have some a little bit of music playing, and we'll take just uh, like 10-minute segments of, of time and, and pray for each other uh, as well before we get going. So if that's for you, I invite you to come in at, at 8 o'clock uh, each Monday uh, for the next three weeks. Uh, and if you want more information on that, uh, it'll be on the app. All right? Good to go? Let's talk about vision this morning. How is your vision? Okay, now, I've heard this a lot because of the year 2020 vision and all of that, but uh, I want you to see this and understand from a, a physical perspective how this ties in. So if you go to the doctor and he tests your vision, uh, 2020 vision is considered, quote, normal vision. And that just means the sharpness or the clarity of your vision. What that truly means is that at 20 feet, you see words of a certain size or letters of a certain size that everybody else sees at 20 feet, okay? If you've got better than 20-20 vision, right, you see at 20 feet what other people see at 10 feet. That's 20-10 vision. If you have 20-100 vision, you are legally blind, <laughs> It doesn't mean you can't see, but you look out and all you see is, I think there's a wall there, okay? Now, I want to take this concept of 2020 normal vision and apply this to our spiritual lives because our focus, our vision as believers should be the same as God's vision, right? If not, what are we doing, Okay? And so I just want to, I'm going to be a little pointed this morning. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, and, and I, I'm not trying to make anybody upset, but here's the problem. As years go by, even in my short lifetime, I've seen what used to be a standard of believers, followers of Jesus' life, come down to the level of just attend church. And just attend church doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It just means you attend church. And attending church is a good thing. You made a good choice, but if you're not going to do anything with it, it's kind of like buying a diet book and setting it on the counter. I bought the book. I haven't done anything with it, and I'm definitely not going to follow what it says, but I bought the book. And if you're at that place this morning, great. I'm glad that you're here, but I want to encourage you that if you really want to be the best you can be and have a new you in this year and the year after that and the year after that, then it means that we have to take some steps and we have to realign our vision and our mission and how we live our life so that it lines up with what Jesus lives like, okay? Because that's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Does that make sense? If we're not any different than everybody else, then why even call ourselves Christians? Why call ourselves followers? Because really we should say we're culture followers. And then we'd be more accurate. Here's what Hebrews 12.2 says. Again, this is, this is uh, they don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews and it doesn't really matter. But it's inspired by God and look at how he's trying to help us here. Look what he says. We do this. How do we change our vision? How do, we, how do we keep our faith? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now you say, uh, Pastor, I'm not sure if you know, but he's not here. 
Yes, I know. But his word is here. His mission is his stories of how he lived his life, how he interacted with people, the choices he made, the values that he had, they've all been laid out for us, and that's what we keep our eyes on, is the man and how he lived. And he is the champion or the author and finisher of our faith. Now think about this. If we keep our eyes on him and follow him, we're going to be just fine, but I am going to tell you that it does mean some changes, and it does mean that your life will look a little different than it does right now. It, it has to because he's constantly trying to change us. He's constantly trying to move us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's what this faith is all about. What happens is we sometimes settle for, I'm saved, and I attend church. And the question that we really need to be asking on a regular basis is, am I still following? That's my question to you this morning for you to ask deep inside, am I still following or am I just doing some things? Because it's scary if you actually begin to see how did he live, how did he love, how did he decide, how did he pray, and those don't look like anything in my life. We have to ask ourselves, am I still following or have I just defaulted to a pattern of kind of religious living? And I don't want to be religious. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want you to be followers of Jesus Christ. Not for me, but for you. It will make you a better person. It will make you a better mother, a father, a person, a student, a friend, a co-worker, a, a, a spouse. It will change your life. But not because we get something out of it, but because He loves us and He has saved us. How do we keep our eyes on Jesus? This means we have to take this time, and we take this time at the beginning of the year to come back to focusing on Christ, focusing on faith, focusing on the Word of God. look at our vision, another question I would ask is this. Do you want to be remade from the inside out? This is, this is the year for a new you. Okay? Not for me. We're, we don't get some tally and I don't get extra bonuses or any of that stuff for the more people fast or don't. But if you've never fasted, maybe you should ask yourself why. If you routinely don't pray... Maybe you should ask yourself, why? If you find that there's no area in your life where you serve other people, in fact, you don't even care, maybe you should ask yourself, why? These are the tenets of how Jesus lived. He loved, he lived, he served, he prayed, and many other things. But if you are not seeing that in your life, maybe you have to start just by asking, why? And maybe it really starts with coming back to a saving grace of Jesus Christ. Not that you get resaved, but you remember why you were saved. We weren't saved just to escape hell. That's an incredible benefit. But we were saved for a mission. We are called people and sent people. Sent to this world to make a difference, to be the bright light that shines, not of us, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's really all about, right? So 
this fasting helps change us from the inside out. It renews our vision and our values and our decisions and our dreams and, and, our, and our interactions with people and our prayers. Because if you read through the Bible at any time, you're going to find that vision is talked about a lot. That God gave them a vision and a dream or they had a dream and a vision. And, and it's something that happens on the inside that all of a sudden they get a sense of who God is and what he wants to do. And it changes them. Abram went from Abram to Abraham because God gave him a vision. And he went from being a guy to the father of many nations, to the father of faith. That could be you this year. As he expands your faith and shows you really what's inside of you, you may think, I've got nothing to give. You've got incredible potential, but you still have to be able to yield it to God for it to happen. Proverbs 29:18. I, I, I found this this week, and it's been, uh, I love, again, I love meat. I am a carnosaur, okay? And I go into every time of fasting with, uh, uh, partial dread and excitement because I know what that means. I know what my body wants and I know I'll survive it, but I also go in with excitement of, I wonder what God's going to reveal this year. I wonder what he's going to do in me. I wonder how it's going to be this time because I've never had both any time that it's ever been the same. But as he laid this into me, it kind of marinated. You, you know what it means to marinate something? You know, you know, take a nice steak and you pound it a little bit, get some seasoning salt, and you create like a, a rub and some sauces and maybe some teriyaki and some soy sauce, and you soak it in there, maybe a little bit of Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper, and you put it in a plastic tub and you let it sit. You with me? You guys are meat eaters? All right. You ever notice you don't do that with salad? There's a reason. Because here's the theory, that as the meat soaks, it begins to draw in the flavor of whatever it's soaking in. And our 21 days of fasting and prayer is drawing in the flavor of God into our flesh that gets broken down through the fasting, because prayer is awesome. And fasting is powerful. But you put those two together where you're breaking down the meat and you're marinating it. Oh my gosh. And if you've never had that, if you've lived your whole life on peanut butter sandwiches and McNuggets, you're missing out, man. I'm sure maybe you could do the same thing with tofu or... And if you're not a meat eater, I'm sure there's something you love and and you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like putting salad dressing on salad, I suppose. I don't know. I don't eat it. (laughs) But he dropped this into my my heart. And I've read this I don't know how many times, and I can guarantee you've heard this many times. Proverbs 29, 18, he says, where there's no vision, the, the actual word of vision means revelation things that are revealed to you. It doesn't mean just eyesight. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And one of the translations says, they cast off restraint. Okay? 
And that word perish, as I looked it up, I had never, I don't know why I never looked it up before, but it was powerful to me this year. It's the Hebrew word picture of a woman uncovering her hair and the wind blowing it back and forth. And it instantly made me think of a passage in the New Testament that says, these people have no restraint. They are blown by every wind of doctrine. They're unstable in all of their ways. Now you think, well, that's a beautiful image of a woman with her hair blowing in the wind. But you think about that. It's been taken out of restraint, and now she's not controlling it. Something else is controlling it, and it moves and is uncontrollable. That's what happens when we don't have a vision, especially a God-sized vision for our lives. We'll move back and forth, and there's life to be had. But at the end of your days, who are you? At the end of your days, what is your legacy? At the end of your days, are you better off and fulfilled in the Spirit, or have you just existed And you close out your day and somebody puts you in the ground or whatever they do with you and your life just ceases or does your life go on after you because you're a person that had vision and you touched many lives and you changed people around you. You made them better. You made your kids better. You made your spouse better. You made your coworkers better. You tried to make your community better. You tried to make your workplace better because you had a God-sized vision of who you were supposed to be, right? Instead of, I'm just trying to keep my head down, stay under the radar. That's not God living. That's just existing. He's got so much more for us. So we've got to get a vision. And and I'm here to tell you this. You don't need my vision. My vision is for us to have a church that falls with the vision of God. But he has a vision just for you. And if you don't know what it is, this is a great time of year to find out that as we pray and as we fast, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to interact with? Who do you? And you just start asking questions of God, right? And allow him to download into you what he wants to do. You can't go with a generalized vision of what's happening in your church. And and it's a good thing for us to have vision. We've, We've got vision. But you need to have a vision for you so that God will work in you. Habakkuk, which is a, a prophet from the Old Testament, he's, he's seeking God, and God reveals something to him, and he tells him something again that I think is, is very practical and, and very missing from many of our lives. This is what he says, the Lord answers me. Isn't that amazing that Habakkuk asks, and God answers? Hmm? He said, write the vision. And make it plain on tablets. See, God is so incredible. He knew we were going to have tablets before we knew we were going to have tablets. Right? That he may run who reads it. And, and that's a weird phrasing, but what he's really saying is, once you've written it down, now you can run with it. But if you haven't written it down, you are like the woman's hair that's uncovered, just 
oh, that sounds good. Oh, wait, no, that sounds good. Oh, oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good. And it's like being at a restaurant and being served by three waitresses. If you've got three waitresses, nobody's really waiting on you. God says, write it down. And this is, this is the part that sounds so unspiritual, but here it is. You have to be practical and intentional. That's why many of us never see the things of God. Write down what you think God wants you to do and where to start. Just write it down. Have a strategy. And listen, I, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not Mr. Admin over the top person. But I'm telling you this, hope is not a strategy. I can't eat my Whopper and say, I hope I lose 10 pounds this month. Right? Because what do you think happens if I say that? You're going to say, well, maybe you should put down the Whopper. And I'm like, no, I'm just hoping. And like I said, I'm being pointed, but I'm not trying to be mean. Many of you, you put way too much confidence and hope because you won't be intentional. You hope God's going to fix something. You hope He's going to change your finances. You hope He's going to take care of your addiction. You hope He's going to, and yet you've done nothing. You haven't written anything down. You don't have any plans. There's no intention. And by tomorrow, guess what? That thought is gone, and you're on to, ooh, a new episode of A Survivor is starting. And all that's gone. Write it down. I'm not even talking about doing a journal. I'm just talking about getting alone with God and saying, God, I really need to know what you want from me. Who do you want me to be? Allow him to just move in you about some questions that you need to write down and have some answers. And, but you've got to write it down and make it plain. That just means what's the strategy? How are you going to do it? So then you can run with it. Without that, I mean, that's like saying, he wants me to change the world. That's a powerful vision. How? I have no idea. Make it plain. Write it down. A little plug here for you. If you're trying to figure out finances starting this month, in fact, on Wednesday, we're doing a whole class on how to balance out your finances so that you can control them and they don't control you. If that's you, no shame, no guilt. It's time to get stuff in line so that you're not under that stress and under that bondage. I'd love to see you here Wednesday at 7 o'clock and be part of that. But we've got to have some strategy and hope is not a strategy. Rationalizing is also not a strategy. Okay. Sometimes when I fast, I, I, uh, if you've been around long enough, you know I am a uh, frequenter of McDonald's. Not because they have the best food, but because it's cheap and it's easy. And so it would be like me saying, I'm, I'm fasting McDonald's this month because I'm going to Burger King. And you might say, wow, that's awesome. He's, he's given up McDonald's. Yeah, but I've just moved down the street, okay? Don't do that to yourself, okay? Set some goals so that you find out what's in you 
that's really what fasting, at least that's what happens to me. God reveals the weak points. God reveals the places in me that is very much in control of me. That's why I think so many people resist fasting is they know. They know something's going to change. They know they're going to have to make some decisions. They know God's going to talk to them. And I'm not sure they want to hear, but I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is worth it on the other side. Even if it's just one meal a day, it, it, there's, there's nothing special. And it. it's just whatever you feel like God would want you to do, okay? It's not about that if you're suffering longer that God somehow, you're twisting his arm. It doesn't work that way. It's about wanting to honor God and wanting to hear from him. But don't just make those simple concessions, right? It's like me saying I'm going to fast broccoli. I don't eat it, so I'm never going to fast it. It's, it's not part of my diet, okay? Then we need to define our vision. Now think about this for just a minute. You think, okay, you know, this is, I'm not even sure this is useful this morning, Pastor. It, it is if you really want what God wants for your life. Imagine the tension that I could create with this one phrase. Ready? Don't do it, just listen. Raise your hand if you've never fasted. I said don't do it, so you can't even listen. Now, for some people, going without food is pretty easy, and I've never been one of those people, but I've met people, uh, there's something, don't take this the wrong way, I think there's something wrong in there when, when I talk to these people, I say, oh, I forgot to eat lunch. You what? I've never forgotten to eat lunch, or dinner, or midday snack, or any of those things. But there's people that do that. And fasting, going out without food, would not even be a difficulty for you. But not being on Facebook would feel like your soul was dying. Not playing with your phone for 13 hours a day would feel like, oh my gosh, how, this is like living in the 80s. So it's not just about food. It's something that will teach you your habits about you, right? So why this is important is that instead of just sitting there and watching the 38th episode of Friends while you should have been eating is not fasting. You take the time that you should have been eating and you pray. You focus on God instead of the food. You focus on God instead of, oh, I'm going to go out and play basketball. I'm going to run a mile. That's not fasting. That's just going without food. Fasting means you, you set aside something and you put the focus back on God for that time. Maybe you're reading. Maybe you do a little bit of worship, but it's all about Him and not about you. This is how we have a proper and a God-honoring fast that changes your life. Now, this is why I said you have to be intentional because many of you are thinking, that's way too much work. You do a lot of stuff <laughs> that's way too much work. And you don't complain about it all the time. And it brings you no benefit. Okay? Let's define our vision during this next 21 days to help you. Because maybe you've never done this. I'm going to believe that not many of you have done this for more than, again, like, Maybe you had to skip lunch. 
God first in your prayers. Okay, now for those, some of you, that's a big switch because it's always you first in your prayers. Your needs, your desires, your problems, your... How about we change this around and it's God first? Did you know that? Matthew tells us this, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And there's a benefit at the end and all these things will be added to you. Look at that. When we seek him first and we put him first and we make him our focus, he begins to move and work in our lives and all of a sudden benefits come into our lives. So I'm the type of guy that I see both sides of the equation. So hang with me for just a minute because this isn't scripture. This is just Tony's version. If I seek God first and his kingdom, and I live righteously, and benefits come to my life, when I seek me first, and I don't live righteously, might things not come into my life? Right? Because there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us to put ourselves first. Ever. What if we seek God first in your prayers? Just start with your prayers. God, I'm so thankful for all you've done. Lord, I want you to be glorified, however it is that you pray. And then your decisions. Imagine this. Imagine the change of your decisions. Lord, I'm thinking about buying a new car. Should I? Not afterwards, not after you bought the car and it's a clunker and you say, God, why'd you let me buy this car? You didn't ask. In advance. God, is this the man for me? Is this the woman for me? Is this the job for me? Is this the... We start asking God about decisions before we make the decisions. Okay? And we don't play religious like we give him three seconds. Oh, man, I forgot to ask God. Okay, God, you got like three seconds. Give me a sign that I'm supposed to... How about your interactions with people? Start acting like... If I was God to this person, what, what would I do for them? How would I view them? How would God love that person? How would God forgive that person? How would God speak to that person? And your finances, well, it's a big area. And again, it's not because I need the money. It's because money stresses us out. Money becomes a God to us. Money becomes a driver <laughs> It becomes an influence in our lives that should be way down here. And unfortunately, when we mishandle it, it comes way up here. And it begins to rule how we live. And we can't have peace because we got bills to pay. And the creditors are calling. And i got to have more. And i got to have more. And it's a big area. And many of us have way out of control in our lives. And then secondly, others before you. In your thought process, when you begin to speak to somebody, how about you think about them before you say what it is you're going to say? How about when you see somebody in need, you, I know you're in a hurry, but what if you can help them? You put them first. You decide to serve them. You decide to help them. You decide to pray for them. You decide others before me. Just like God. Did you notice that Jesus always had time for people? I mean, he came to change the world, and yet everywhere he went, oh, somebody asked for help, and he stopped. He's a busy guy. And yet it seemed like with every twist and turn, he stopped because he saw a person and he always put people above himself and he thought of others. 
And this should be part of our lives. If we're Jesus followers, this should be our normal routine. You should be saying, yeah, pastor, we know this. We do this all the time. But that's the problem, isn't it? We're not. And don't feel guilty this morning. We're just screwed up Americans. This is how we live. But this could be the year where it changes for you. Right? Especially for you that are younger that are all about me, me, me. Imagine if you flipped that around and you started serving your fellow students, your fellow workers. You started honoring your mother and your father. You started being diligent. You started being prayerful. You started deciding that the culture and its values weren't that important for how you look and how you feel and who you are, but God knows who you are and how you look and how you should feel and your identity in Him. Imagine if that was the driving force, how much peace and joy you'd have. And then lastly, self. And a great way to pray is Romans 12, right? I'm going to give my body to God. Because that's, that's us, right? And then he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, right? In 21 days, you could be transformed, you're still going to have the same wrinkles. You're still going to be you, but you're going to be a God version of you. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you don't have to go away someplace, and you don't have to check into rehab. You just have to be you seeking God. What could your vision for 2020 be? Now, this is new to some of you. You've never written this down. I'm encouraging, write it down. Get a little sticky note. Put it on the mirror. Put it wherever you see it. Seek God. Pray. Write it down plainly so that your values and your decisions will begin to reflect the vision of God. That's what this whole time is all about, is for us to get realigned with God and that you get changed. You get the benefit. Isn't that amazing? When we put God first and we put others first, we get the benefit. The problem is the culture tells us the opposite. And I'm here to tell you, that's why we're so messed up. That's why we're never satisfied. That's why we seem to fail. We put God first, others first, and he'll take care of the rest. But you got some praying to do. And again, Monday morning, come here. You can pray 8, 8 to 8.30. It's going to be really quick. Be on your way. Or maybe you can't make it. Just set aside time. You need to write that down too. When am I going to pray? And don't try to do it in the car while you're driving. You're not that good at multitasking. Other than, oh God, get me to work. That's, that's not really a transformative prayer. Right? So let's try this right now in that pattern. God, others, then self this morning. You ready? You don't even have to stand. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to clasp your fingers. But you do need to want to have God speak to you. So here we go. Lord God, this year we want you to be exalted in all that we do. Lord God, we want you to be at the forefront. We want the same vision that you have. We want your life to be on our life. Father, would you help us to see how we serve others? 
Now, there's people around us all the time, and, and they just become invisible as we think of ourselves and we feed ourselves and we take care of ourselves and it's self, self, self. But Lord, this year we want it to be different. God, would you give us a bold faith to see the needs and to serve others in some capacity somewhere? Maybe a kind word. Maybe changing a tire. Maybe a sandwich and a smile to a homeless person. God, help us to to see the needs of others and help us serve them. And God, I know this is hard because there's, there's many of you you've never served. There's opportunities to serve in your church, you don't serve. There's opportunities to serve in the community, you don't serve. But this could be the year that all of a sudden you get your humanity back. And Lord, lastly, would you transform us? Now transform us into the very image of God. That we're people that hear you and understand you. We sense what you're doing and why you're doing it. And your values become our values. And our, your decisions become our decisions. And, and your worldview becomes our worldview. Not because we're religious, but because that's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. We want to be renewed, Lord. So, Father, I pray over our church right here, right now, every man, every woman. Father, give them a renewed sense of who they could be. Give them a fresh vision of who you are, first of all, a mighty God that is holy and righteous and just and kind and merciful and gracious and able to change and heal and save. And, Lord, give us a renewed sense that we need you this morning. So every person here, Lord, give them bold faith to actually ask some questions and write down a fresh vision this year. What am I going to do for God? What am I going to do for others? What do I need to do to bring myself into alignment with your word? Father, would you speak to us individually? I don't have the answers for everyone. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak deep into the heart of every man and every woman here this morning as they would seek you and be ready to hear your voice. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.